SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. Lisa Burkhart Worley, and welcome to Pop Talk, the show where you never know what topics might pop up. How big is your faith? Would you like to be more like those in the Bible who were known for their great faith, like Noah, Abraham? What about Moses? You can do it. Today's guest is here to help. His name is Dr. Mike Novotny. Mike is the author of What's Big, Start Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. He's a pastor at The Core, a church in downtown Appleton, Wisconsin. He's also the spiritual leader and lead speaker for Time of Grace. That's a media ministry reaching a national television audience of 400,000 per week. It engages with people more than 5 million times through media platforms like their video and written devotions, blog posts, podcasts, and printed publications. That is a great reach. In addition to the book we will talk about today, Mike's authored many other books, including Three Words That Will Change Your Life, How to Heal, and The Power of Devoted Prayer. Well, it's great to have you on the show, Mike. I know some of the Christians who are listening today are thinking, I want to increase my faith, but I just do not know how to do it. Why do people get stuck when it comes to faith? Yeah. Well, Lisa, thanks for having me. Um, I think there's a simple answer to that question. And it's the same reason why it's really hard to have a good garden in your backyard. Right. So Jesus talked about, you know, faith coming from the word of God, from the message. Uh, Yet, if you've ever put a seed in a little splotch of dirt in the back, you realize that seed has so much potential, but there's also a whole bunch of things that can happen to it. So it doesn't grow. And so, you know, great faith is something we all want. But there's this kind of tension and this dynamic between the power of God's word and then the ways we need to protect God's word like a seed so that it can grow. So I think a lot of people forget that. We maybe read our Bibles or listen to a podcast or go to church and boom, hey, that's going to give me great faith, right? (laughs) And Jesus' answer is, well, you got a good start. (laughs) You know, but that's not the end of the process. So my book is really exploring a, a story that Jesus told that lists all kind of the threats and dangers to great faith, and then how, with the help and grace of God, we can overcome them. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to get from the book, you know, reading in the Bible about how to do this, and then getting it into our system and 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 actually doing it. I know I still, even though I've been a Christian for a number of years, I still struggle at times with faith. Then I think mm-hmm. of the passage in Matthew 17, where the disciples could not drive out a demon from a boy. And they asked why they couldn't do it. And and Mm -hmm. Jesus said, because you have so little faith. Then he went on to say, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Mm -hmm. Why can't, Mike, I'm just wondering, why can't we have mustard seed sized faith? It doesn't seem like that much, but I think it's easier said than done. Mm. Yeah, the Apostle Paul, was it 2 Corinthians 5? He said, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. 
And he had to say that because it's so easy to base our emotions and our thoughts and even our beliefs on what we can see. And so it really takes a supernatural work of God to believe even the smallest thing that God says, you know, God loves you. Well, there it is, right? It's a little, it's a short sentence. It's a little mustard seed. But when you're going through life and you see maybe a breakup or a divorce, or you're battling with anxiety or infertility, it's hard to believe that little sentence. So it's all sounds so easy on paper, just a little bit of faith, a mustard seed size of faith, but we really are so desperate for the help of the Holy Spirit, for the gift of God to hold on to that little seed. Uh, The devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh are like attacking us every single day to try to snatch that up before it can grow into something big. So yeah, I I wouldn't beat myself up too much. Like just have a a mustard seed size of faith. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, there's great potential in a little seed. But still, so many things can happen. And that's the, I'm excited to talk about that with you today. It's the troubles in life sometimes that can mess with our faith. I was just in Israel and the second to last day I fell near the temple. (laughs) It's a great story, but I fractured my right arm. So my right arm is all messed up now. And and so I was questioning God, you know, why would this happen in this land where I was so excited to go and and then uh, it just it, out of nowhere, I fell, I slipped. And and so it, it definitely uh, did have, you know, challenge my faith. <laughs> but I finally came to the conclusion that the Lord allowed me to suffer like Jesus. I mean, Jesus, from uh, as you know, on the Via Dolorosa, you know, was suffering. He'd been beaten. And I know it was nothing in comparison to that, but it just gave me a little taste of what it's like to walk through the streets of Jerusalem uh, with pain. And yeah. so I wrote a blog about that. I thought that was just, you know, uh, you, sometimes you have to really think through this so that your faith will not uh, be hindered in any way. And, mm. and in this book, you say one reason we don't grow in our faith is because of those kinds of threats to our faith. Mm. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, so I know a guy named Marty. He owns a, a local kind of boutique vineyard here in Wisconsin. And, you know, he has this really nice kind of back patio, kind of beautiful rural scene. You got a nice crisp glass of white wine in your hand. And I asked Marty, like, well, how did we get this great wine? And he starts telling me, well, you know, we plant the vines, but then the birds show up and there's fungus and there's hailstorms and the raccoons come out of the woods and they want to eat everything up. So it's like he he knew the vine had a great potential, but he had to recognize what the threats were to it and then do something to take care of it. Um, my favorite thing, he said, you know, the raccoons will come out and just like demolish the vineyard. So they put little speakers all around the vineyard and they play, uh, I think he said, talk radio overnight. <laughs> so the, the I love that <laughs> there's predators. So they, you know, they take off. So I, I kind of love that spiritual concept. It's like the vine has potential and yet there are these threats. So you do what you can to disarm the threats. So the vine can reach its potential. Right. In the same way, in the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about a little seed of God's word can produce, what, 30 or 60 or 100 times what was sown. Like a little thing that you read in your Bible or just one little part of a sermon in church can like become your life verse and your go-to and your comfort and your hope. But as Jesus explains, I could count in Jesus' story six separate threats from pride to pain to worries to wealth to wanting to not waiting. So kind of like my friend Marty in his vineyard, what I'm trying to do in this book is examine Jesus' story, find exactly what the threats are to the Bible that we hear, 
and then do what we can with God's help to overcome them so the seed reaches its potential. Did you know that worry is actually a gene? <laughs> I found that out because my grandmother, uh, Duke University did a study on that. It's actually a genetic situation so that we have to overcome. But my grandmother wow. was a worrier. Every, she worried about everything. And, and mm -hmm. so she passed some of that down to me. So I have to really fight against worry. So how can worry suppress our faith? Yeah. Yeah, Jesus says in the, you know, just in case you haven't heard it and you're listening, um, you know, Jesus said some of the seed fell on this hard soil and the birds snatched it up and some fell on rocky soil and it, it seemed to be growing, but then the sun came out and it withered. And then to your question, he said some fell on maybe good soil that had good potential, but it was cluttered with thorns and weeds and it just choked it out. So the seed couldn't mature. It couldn't produce fruit. And when the disciples needed an explanation, Jesus said, ah, sometimes the worries of this life choke out the seed of God's word. And so it doesn't really mature. It doesn't become great faith. Um, it's actually the same word he uses with his friend Martha in the gospel of Luke. Uh, if you remember the story, Martha's just like run in because there's all these things that have to be done, ha quote, have to be done. <laughs> and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things. So it was like the word of Jesus was there, but she was just getting little bits of it, squeezing it into her schedule. Why? Well, because she was worried about the food and the drink and the hospitality and the meal. And because of that, like, it's, it's not like she hated Jesus, obviously, but she was squeezing Jesus into this really, really packed schedule. And because of that, she just didn't have time to meditate and enjoy and imply the word of God. Um, it reminds me of this little seed packet I keep with me and my desk. So if you're watching on the video, I'm holding up this packet of tomato seeds. Lisa, do you know on the, the back of a pack of tomato seeds where like all the experts tell you how to grow a tomato, do you know what the number one piece of advice they give you on how to grow this tomato? I do not know. Space. Like if you think you're just going to put cram a little seed into a tiny spot of soil where there's a lot of other plants or weeds, you can get the seed into the ground but it's never going to mature because these seeds can't just be squeezed. They actually need a lot of space to send out the roots, soak in the moisture of the soil and the nutrients and grow. And to me that, I mean, honestly, out of the whole story that Jesus told in the whole book that I wrote, that's the one thing. If I'm squeezing God's word into a really packed, busy, busy Martha like life, it's not that I'm skipping church, but I'm squeezing it in. And before church and after church, I'm busy. And uh, yeah, I'm reading my Bible almost every day. But man, I just, I don't have time to meditate on it. I got to check that box, listen to my podcast on double speed on the way to do grocery shopping. Oh, man, you can squeeze the word into a busy schedule, but you don't expect your garden to grow when you're squeezing in too many seeds. And Jesus just makes this brilliant application. Don't expect church to quote unquote work or make you a really great, solid, trusting Christian if your whole schedule is packed and you're just making that little bit of time to squeeze in the Bible. Yeah, you can't absorb the nutrients when you're trying to hurry through it, right? That's what I'm, yeah. I'm seeing and, and hearing yeah. from you. Now, I always ask for a word every year. And last year, my word was humble. And I would catch myself in a conversation and I thought, was that a humble thing to say? Or, or I think, was that a humble thing to do? And then I'd, I'd also say, was that a humble thought I had? I mm. felt like God wanted me to work on humility in my life. Um, mm. 
Uh, and in, and you say in the book that pride, which is obviously the opposite of humility, can hinder our faith growth. How so? Yeah, Jesus talks about some of the seed falls on this really hard packed soil and the birds come and snatch it up. And his application was, you know, if you, if in your pride, you harden yourself to God's word, you're not receptive to it, maybe because it's kind of challenging for you. Like the devil, well, that's his breakfast, right? The devil sits up perched on the pew of every church and he waits for people who don't, who don't want to hear what God has to say because they kind of know it's going to change them and mess with them. And that pride just robs the entire potential. It's like trying to plant a garden on a, a cement blacktop, right? It's just not going to work. And I think all of us, I mean, even as followers of Jesus, we have to ask if we came across something in the Bible that really challenged our beliefs or our family values or American culture, um, how we were raised with our religion, like, would we be totally, would we be soft, receptive soil saying, God, my mom might've been wrong. The pastor, the priest that raised me might've been a false teacher. The way I and all my friends think about this, about sexuality or submission or abortion or hospitality or generosity or forgiveness, like God, if you need to challenge me and change me, even if it's painful, I have to deny myself. I think the humble approach is God, you're God. And if you sent your son for me, you must be for me. You're not trying to rob me of any blessing, but give me blessing. And so that's the humble heart. I think the Old Testament says, God loves those who tremble before his word. Like God is speaking. Who, who am I to object? So that's humility and pride in the first battle that Jesus talks about. I probably, I know I had a problem with pride many years on television and, and God had to break me of that. And I remember it wasn't until I read Romans and did a Bible study in Romans that I understood how sinful I really was. Because a lot of times I think people might compare themselves to mass murderers. They say, I haven't done anything like that. I haven't done anything that bad. I had a cousin that did that. He was like comparing himself to Hitler and, you know, I'm not Hitler. I'm not, and I'm like, well, no, but you still, what about this? Or what about that? Mm -hmm. What about coveting? You know, little yeah. sins like that, it's still a sin. And so, uh, so I think that we have to look at ourselves against a holy God and realize that we all fall short of his glory. Yes. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give the book away. Uh, I want everyone, all of our listeners to know this is just a little snippet of what he says in the book, but I'm, I'm, I am asking him about the book. And so I do want to talk about one more of the threats to our faith. And that is mm. not waiting. This was a mm. really strong one for me. Isaiah 40, 31 comes to mind, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But how does not waiting or impatience affect our faith? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to the garden. If you were super excited to grow a garden, yeah, I'm going to do this. You got the soil already. Here's the seed with all its potential. And you stick it in the ground on Monday at 8 a.m. You go inside, get an iced tea, and you come back out at nine and you're looking at the dirt. <laughs> like, well, it's not working. <laughs> and so, like, okay, I'll come back tomorrow. You come back on Tuesday. And it's just dirt and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, right? So we, we know enough about seeds in the ground, like, okay, this is going to take a couple of months before I get anything out of this, but it's going to be worth waiting for when those fresh, you know, vine ripened tomatoes come off or that glass of wine from the vineyard, it's going to be worth the wait. Sometimes, especially in our like 5G hyper speed, 
ask Alexa or Siri for anything, and they instantly, it's hard for us to remember in, in the Bible, God blesses us, but it takes a long time sometimes. You know, Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child. And then it took a few, what, decades? Um, children of Israel, you're going to come back from Babylon. I know the plans I have for you to prosper you. Oh, it's going to be about 70 years. Um, oh, Adam and Eve, a son will be born that will crush the devil's head. And Jesus didn't show up with the first pregnancy in humanity, right? So God just has this track record of doing the best thing at the right time, but it's normally a long time out. And so if a person, let's say they get into like a New Year's habit, I'm going to read the Bible every day. Amazing. Plant that seed in your heart. But let's not expect that by February or March, we're going to have this like never worrying, always trusting faith, just like a seed. It's going to take some time to mature and grow bit by bit, like a strong body or a child growing up. And so expectations are everything. And that would just be my encouragement. If you're connected to the word, you're doing the right thing. Take a deep breath. Um, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And as Psalm 27 says, wait for the Lord. Sometimes it takes time for God to act, and he's probably doing something in us. I keep thinking about my arm. I've had so many people pray over my arm, and I believe in healing, and I've mm. I've been a part of a supernatural healings. And and uh, people, I mean, a woman in Israel pray, who I did not know prayed over my arm in the elevator. I mean, I had, I've had a lot of people, but God is choosing not to heal it. And so I've just got to trust. I've got to have faith that there's a reason why he's not supernaturally healing my arm because I believe, uh, but he's doing something in the midst of it. And so we just have to trust him. But there's this other problem. Uh, a lot of people have gotten out of the habit of going to church, right? In person. I know our pastor keeps saying, come on back. Those of you who are watching online, come on back. You know, even after so long since the pandemic, um, a Gallup poll that I found says in 2020, only 47% belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque, compared to 70%, just really sad to me, in 1999. How is this decline in church affecting faith? And why do you think people are distancing themselves from the church, Mike? Mm, yeah, great question. Um, maybe my first answer would be to pull out this little pack of tomato seeds again and say, do you think we can grow tomatoes without seeds? <laughs> right. In the same way, Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing the message. So sometimes we think my faith's going to be fine if I, if I don't go to church or if I disconnect or kind of do my own. So I'm, I'm not turning into an atheist. I'm just kind of doing this non-religious, more independently spiritual thing. But I, I don't know, everyone I meet who disconnects from the church sooner or later, normally more and not less disconnects from the word. So you're not hearing the word regularly. You're not getting encouragement from a community. You're, you're not talking about the word and dialoguing with people in the lobby before or after church. You might miss the Bible study or the Bible reading plan that the church is doing. So I, I think that's my fear. Um, you can't learn the gospel out in the woods or sitting in your boat. The gospel has to be preached as this mystery of God that the Bible itself reveals. And so if we disconnect ourselves from the place where the Bible has the central authority it's not shocking that faith will start to decrease and get small. And I hope, I mean, Jesus says sometimes people start growing fast, but then life gets hard and their faith shrivels up. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much concerned that people are choosing maybe what seems like a more convenient road 
I don't have to shower, don't have to put on pants, <laughs> don't have to get the kids ready for church and wrangle them. Like it seems easier now, but I have a hunch it's going to make faith much more difficult then. I'm one of those that likes to be in the house. In fact, uh, I go to a mega church and our pastor is only live at four o'clock on Saturdays. And I'm there because I, I just like to have mm. the live sermon. I liked the live worship. Uh, I feel like God inhabits the praises of his people. And so when I'm watching online, uh, mm. I just don't feel the same presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think people really miss out when they don't go in person to church. I just think it's they're 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 uh denying themselves a blessing. Yeah. So think, uh go ahead. Yeah, that. I think that's true. As a pastor, I can tell you, you know, I've prepared a message, but sometimes it's just when I'm scanning the faces in the church that I see someone and I think of their situation and you know, the sermon just changes a little bit to be personal for them. And if you're at home, you might be watching the message, but you've you've robbed your pastor of the chance to see you, to remember you, and apply the truth of the scriptures that you need. Um, you know, I might just be talking about faith and trusting God, and then I see someone who just went through a miscarriage, and my the, the Holy Spirit just turns up my compassion about six notches, and my tone changes, and the message goes on a little tangent for people in that situation. So if you want to get the most, it, you can't live stream it. Um, you'll get something, but not the best version of it. So I love what you're saying. In, in person has always been God's design, and it still is. Amen. I always think my pastor's looking at me, even though I'm in a mega church, and he probably isn't. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to think he is. Um, your book is is called "What's Big Start Small." What are some baby steps that we can take to a greater faith? Yeah. Uh, let me say just two. There's a whole bunch, but number, Psalm one talks about the person who's blessed and who prospers spiritually. And it says, blessed is the person who meditates on the word of God day and night. Um, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament there is the verb haga, which literally means to like make a low groaning sound when you're chewing on something. So if you've ever seen a dog with a bone, he, that dog is hagaing like ah. You know, it's like sounds are coming out of it as it's savoring and chewing on it. So to Haggah, the Bible, is not just to read it, boom, did it. It's to chew on it a little bit. Oh, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Let me think about that. God, whew, God doesn't need anything. He was fine, but he loved the world. Wait, the world? Not just the good people? He, he loved everyone? He loved me so much that he only had one son and he gave that? You know, so I'm... I'm thinking about it. I'm fixing my thoughts. I'm meditating on it. So if I was going to give, you know, one piece of advice, whether you're singing a song in church or on Christian radio or reading your Bible at home or a Christian book or going to church is to, as much as you can, engage your thoughts and your brain. That's that's how you become blessed. That really prepares good soil. It waters that little seed of God's word so that it can grow quickly. Um, the second thing that I'd say is just such a comfort to me you know, we've been talking a lot about what we can do. Don't be proud. Meditate. Don't be so busy that you're cramming the word in. It's really interesting to me that in the parable of the sower, uh, Jesus himself in Matthew 13 gives it the title. And he doesn't call it the parable of the soils. Like, are you the right kind of soil? Or the parable of the seed. Oh, the seed of God's word has so much potential. He, it. It's almost surprising because the sower doesn't seem like the main character of his parable, but he himself calls it, this is the parable of the sower. 
And I think about that, that maybe you don't see him as much as you would expect, but God who sowed the seed into your heart is a good gardener and a constant companion to help you. So if you're listening like, oh man, I'm too busy and I'm running, trying to squeeze the word in, like God is so faithful. He's going to help you pull up those weeds and prioritize your life. He's faithful to forgive. He's faithful to erase the mistakes of the past when you were too proud to hear his word. So I think I'd say those two things, like meditate on it. And then just remember, you're not doing this alone. You're not putting on the gloves and trying to make a perfect garden by yourself. You have a father who loves you, a Jesus who forgives you and a Holy Spirit who empowers you too. Yes, we need that help. We can't do it on our own. We can't do life on our own. I'm so thankful for the presence of God in my life. And mm-hmm. and if anyone listening to this broadcast does not know the Lord, just ask him to come into your life. Uh, just say, I'm sorry for what I've done in the past. And I just ask that you will uh, just be my Savior and Lord. And and just it's as simple as that. You just have to pray that prayer, and then He will, and He will change you from the inside out. You don't have to do a lot of the work. You, you know, you you can go to church and read your Bible and and uh, try to grow that way. And as we talked about, that increases your faith. But uh, just pray that prayer, and believe me, your life's going to get a lot better. Okay, your last question. We only have a little bit of time, but the greats of faith and what I call the faith hall of fame, found in Hebrews eleven one, were not perfect people. Abraham made mistakes and they're documented. Moses killed a man, later disobeyed God, so he didn't get to move into the promised land. Why is it important to keep our humanity in mind when we move forward in our faith journey? Someone taught me years ago, I forget if it was in Bible college or growing up, that the most important thing about faith is the object of your faith and not faith itself. So the object of our faith is Jesus. We have faith in Jesus. We believe in God and in his promises. Or uh, my pastor put it this way. When a kid comes back from trick-or-treating, maybe on Halloween, they don't run over to their mom and dad and say, look at this bag that I have all this candy in. No, they're, they're not even thinking about the bag. They're thinking about what's in it, what the bag is holding. And I think it can be kind of dangerous if we, if we just focus on how's my faith, how's my faith. It's like thinking about the bag instead of thinking about the treasure, the sweet promises that are blood-bought through Jesus. So the most important thing about Abraham or Moses or Noah or King David wasn't how strong their faith was. It was the Messiah that they had faith in. And the most important thing about you and me isn't, well, look at this great Christian faith we have. It's the Christ upon whom our faith is based upon, his perfection his holiness, his sacrifice, and his forgiveness. So, uh, uh, you know, it's a tension with the book. I want people to think about their faith, the threats, what we can do. But more than anything, I want people to fix their eyes in a really fresh way at the word, the seed, all these amazing promises that are all ours in Jesus. And Mike, I think we can also pray to have better faith, can't we? Hmm. Yeah, increase my faith. That's what the apostles prayed when Jesus said, your faith is pretty small. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining me on Pop Talk Radio. Mike's book is once again called What's Big Starts Small, Six Ways to Grow Great Faith. If you want to book Mike for an interview, I know you do. You can work through his literary agent, Jason Jones. That email address is jason at jonesliterary.com. And we hope you'll reach out to us here at Pearls of Promise Ministries. We're the producers of this program. You can email us at info at pearlsofpromiseministries.com. You can find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Pop Talk Media. We're on Instagram at Pop 
underscore ministries and check out all of our past Pop Talk television shows on our Pearls of Promise Ministries YouTube channel. Thanks also to our sponsor, Mike Lindell's MyPillow.com. If you want to help out our ministry, buy anything on MyPillow.com and use the promo code POP and we'll receive a percentage of the sale. So that is Pop Talk for today. I'm just an ordinary girl who God turned into a pearl. Have a great week. Coming soon at the Central Park Performing Arts Center in Largo, Florida, the first annual Solwyn Women's Conference. Hear 20 plus inspiring speakers that will transform you, shift you into your divine path. Mark your calendars, ladies, June 21st to the 23rd. Three full days of fellowship, worship, encouragement, and supporting local female business owners. When your soul prospers, so will your health, your finances, and your relationships. You need a lot of time trying to figure it out. You're stronger than you think. God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to understand the blessing. It's time to be healed in your soul, know your true worth, and be all you were beautifully and wonderfully made to be. Purchase your tickets now for this life-changing event at www.soulwinconference.com. Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? Come join us on Soulwin, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. Soulwin women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now.